This episode of The Slut Show is sponsored by Follow Kulkore. Last season on The Slut Show. I recently destroyed a door with my dildo. <laughs> that which I know is like five bet partners is like high. Oh, honey. What? <laughs> At five and one nine? Like, what? what the fuck is radical about wanting to be treated fucking equal? That's not radical. So, fuck me. We don't want a dialogue about oppression. Oppression is wrong yeah. and we need to get rid of that shit. Crazy. I have so much discussion with people who say, but it's just not uh, grammatically it's not incorrect. Grammatic. Fuck you. We didn't steal a car. We drove a car. We didn't ask if we could borrow it. That's stealing. Um, <laughs> they're just trying to control what we do with our bodies. We made a bet about how many bet partners I could get in 28 days. Yes, and we were excited. And like... <laughs> This week on The Slut Show. But it's literal proof of the fact that if you go on a diet, you're gonna gain everything back yeah. and more. Every crash diet, my mom is low income. And if I have to decide between spending 6,000 euros mm. or get pregnant for free. That's not weird, that is poverty. <laughs> it's poverty. Yeah. I never had a great relationship with the police, but now it feels like even more dangerous as it is. For me, it's very important to be softer. Uh, right. Because black masculinity is also very criminalized. Not at if all. If you think that a fat person not eating is healthy, you need to check your own eating patterns because that shit's fucked up. Yeah, yeah. If I saw a trans person, I always say it was or a dead sex worker in CSI or like a punchline in like Sex in the City or something weird right. like that. I became super fucking hairy. <laughs> also oh. the butt region. And they were like, okay, well, you're not suffering enough for us because you're so cool with your body and so cool with the idea of pregnancy. Three, two, one, let's go. Hey you, thank you so much for listening. No matter when you are listening, no matter where you are, get comfortable. Get yourself a cup of tea, a glass, or an entire bottle of wine. Maybe smoke a blunt, get under a blanket, grab yourself some popcorn, and enjoy this week's episode of The Slut Show with Ellen Moore. Ladies, gentlemen, non-binary beans, and any and everyone in between, my name is Ellen Moore, and in the studio with me today for this brand new episode, he calls himself Tranye West, I call him a warm-hearted comedian who flushed shame through the loo a while ago. He is half of the creative team behind Kutmana, and I'm so excited to have him in the studio. Bobby, how are you? I'm doing fine, I'm doing great. Uh, for the English speaker who can't say Bobby, Tranye is perfectly enough. I've accepted that I'm officially the good side of Kanye West. Right, right, genuinely. <laughs> you, you also call yourself AliExpress Drake. Yeah. <laughs> Love that one, <laughs> genuinely. Um, we're going to be talking about a whole lot of things, transitioning, weight discrimination in transgender healthcare, uh, being an online content creator and what that all, what the shit show that sometimes is, mm -hmm. mental health and way more. But before we get started... The Slut Show with Ellen Moore, the podcast slash talk show about shit you and I have to deal with on a daily basis. About feminism, insecurities, feeling like a bomb-ass bitch, and obviously about loads of sex. Enjoy your weekly dose of empowerment. Your weekly dose of empowerment? What's the most empowering thing you did lately? Oh shit, I should be thinking about it, I totally <laughs> forgot. Um, I, ooh, my sister recently got a BBL. Do you know what uh, it is? When they put... Oh, yeah, is it yeah, yeah. the butt lift? Yeah, yes. So the whole season that has the whole hourglass body going Ooh. on. And we had this huge discussion in the family and I totally support her. Uh, I said, if you're completely okie-dokie with it and you know the consequences and you this is what you want, just go. Because mm -hmm. every time the surgery discussion comes up, everybody goes like, no, these women, they don't know what they want. It's the Kardashians fall. They're mentally ill, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, it's your body, it's your thing. It's your right. money. Fucking go. Just be safe, be sound. 
and uh, right. now she has a bombing body, way too many DMs from way too many weird guys. I can imagine. <laughs> but she's living the fantasy, and I'm here for her. That's so good. So yeah, I don't if I don't know if that's really empowerment. Getting that support is True. huge. So. I hope I hope it's empowerment. I let the women decide if supporting your sister's BBL is a true empowerment. But yeah, for yeah, me, I think yeah. hell yeah, I think it is. And I know that feminism is like still having this big discussion: is it truly an autonomous choice to do uh, plastic surgery, right? Or is it women empowerment but capitalism? So not truly women empowerment. So, yeah. Or internalized misogyny. Yeah, but it's a hard discussion. It's complex. It's it's so complex. But let's for now, if this feels empowering <laughs> let's to you, like it's. This. Aglita, I love you. Uh, you have a rocking body and I'm proud of you. Ooh, get it, girl, get it, girl. Get get laid, honey. Um, no slut show without slutty science. True. So let's dive right into it. I got some slutty science for you because we like to stick to facts. Slutty science with more. Buppy is a trans man. That means he was assigned female at birth, but lives his life as a man because that is the gender he identifies with. When looking into possible gender-confirming surgeries, a mastectomy is top on the list. A mastectomy is the surgical procedure performed mostly on transmasculine and non-binary folks of removing one's boobs. This is not covered by insurance unless you have gotten diagnosed with gender dysphoria. In order to be able to get your boobs removed, however, the rules in the Netherlands state that you must have a BMI which is 35 or less. If you were to want to get surgery abroad, you can do so, and this will be covered by insurance. However, that is not a loophole out of the BMI rule. If you want to get your surgery covered by insurance, you must adhere to the rules in regards to weight in relation to height. These rules are there for so-called health concerns. But when we take a closer look at the body mass index, like we did in last week's Slutty Science, we can conclude that the BMI is kindergarten mathematics and in no way forms an accurate representation of one's health. Healthcare for those who fall within the umbrella term transgender should be basic human decency. Even though the Netherlands is one of the many countries where we are lucky to have the healthcare system that we do, that doesn't mean we should not look into ways to improve the system. Healthcare for fat trans people is as necessary as it is for quote-unquote regular-sized trans people. Denying them access to gender-affirming surgeries is not just weight discrimination, but playing with people's lives. We live in a world run by and for a bunch of skinny, white, cisgendered, heterosexual men. Yes, there are women running companies, and yes, there are trans people in politics, but changing the subject of this conversation doesn't help anybody. So let's just, for a second, stick to the basic facts. Trans people were born in a body that doesn't feel like theirs. They need to undergo surgery after surgery in order to be able to function in society. That alone can be so rough on trans people that they decide to take their own lives. The suicide rates amongst transgender folks, as discussed in season 2 of The Slut Show, are baffling, skyrocketing at an all-time high. A study from 2018 shows that on average nearly 14% of adolescents have previously attempted suicide. Double that amount of suicide attempts were found amongst transgender women and adolescents questioning their gender identity. Non-binary folks attempt suicide roughly three times more often than their cisgender counterparts, and a nothing but shocking one in two transgender men have attempted suicide. Concluding this week's not-that-slutty piece of science, 
By denying trans folks gender-affirming surgeries, you directly increase the likelihood of them attempting suicide. No matter what the excuses for denying anybody access to basic healthcare, these rules result in playing with the lives of actual human beings. Well said. Yeah. Very scientific. Also very <laughs> right. depressing. <laughs> so depressing, <laughs> so though. That was our fa- fun disp- depressing fact. Sad fact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. How do you, um, because you're a trans man, how old were you when you came out? Uh, so in my eyes, I'm a pretty late bloomer. Around the age of 20, I figure out that I am trans, was trans. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, I was aware of trans people, but mostly trans women. So the 2000s was a great time for TV uh, because then they started using a lot of trans stories, but mostly with sex workers. So if I saw a trans person, I always say it was or that sex worker uh, in CSI or like a punchline in like Sex in the City or something weird right. like that. So uh, my experience was I know there are trans women, but I've never seen trans men. And I don't know. It's so dumb. If you have a trans woman, of course there's a trans man, but your brain doesn't make that connection because no. if you don't see it, you don't know about it. Right. Um, so at the age of 20, I saw a rerun of Oprah discussing uh, trans pregnancy with a trans man mm-hmm. on her show. And I was like, oh yeah, that's what I wanted. I just thought I was a very, 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 very stud butch lesbian. Mm-hmm. But I just missed, I just needed the last part that said, you're just a masculine dude running around. And I was like, ah. Oh. Now no. Right. So I texted my mom and I was like, "What up? I'm gonna be a man." My mom said, "That's great. Throw out the trash." And then I called the Fumedi Center. That's what we have here in the Netherlands for your gender therapy and everything. And the next day that, I was there. Is that always the first step to call, or is there also like local gender clinics? Uh, so I started my transition ten years back. So the only thing that we had was at wow. That was the only way you could could get in. Now we have, I think, about eight gender clinics mm-hmm. because Amsterdam is the whole center of tra- transitioning mm-hmm. 10 years back. So if you lived all the way in the south of the Netherlands, you were fucked. You were on a three-hour trip to go there. Wow. Maybe to hear that you're not getting top surgery or whatever, and you have to go back those three hours in pure disappointment. Right. So luckily there are now more clinics, so we're waiti- wasting less time uh, traveling, but wasting more time on the waiting list. So. It's a plus, it's a minus, we have both. But yeah, um, I always say I came out before the big transgender boom. Right. So I had no waiting list, I just rolled in and I just started. Um, and that's how I, yeah, that's how I began actually. But even though there was no waiting list, I mean, good, but that's like the bare minimum. <laughs> it's the bare minimum. Obviously, and you still haven't gotten your top surgery, which when did you decide that you wanted to go for top surgery? I knew from the beginning uh, that I wanted top surgery, but uh, so okay, so ten years back, the view was very binary. Mm-hmm. You could only be a trans woman or trans man. Mm-hmm. We never discussed non-binary identities. They never talked about non-binary identities at the view. They only went like, okay, you go there, uh, you get one year of therapy, then you have uh, a one year or six months of RLA real life experience. Okay. So you must come out at work at family, at social events. You, what? Yeah, yeah, that's a real life experience. You must come out. You must live your life as the gender you identify with. Holy shit. 
Yeah, and when you're done with that, you get a hold. Um, and when you're done with that, then they go like, yes, you have your green light, you get your hormones or your puberty blockers, or you get your surgery. And in that one year that you have therapy, they also give you like numerous tests. You get, I think at the first intake I had there, they gave me like this big book and I have to fill in everything. You have to fill in your sexual history any fetishes or kinks so they really ask you is addressing like a man or a woman or your gender identity is that also a kink they ask you about any is it sex- still like this i don't know because i haven't been there for 10 years right. if, they, if you have any sexual abuse drugs whatever you have to open up everything that ever happened to you in your entire life uh, and then they have to decide whether you're uh, truly trans or that maybe you don't want to transition your, because of your depression or your sexual abuse or maybe they think it's actually fetish or a kink and then you get sent away again oh my god yeah so I had to go through the whole ordeal uh, of signing that big book going to therapy for a whole year and um, my first problem what I had with the food was um, they didn't want to accept me at first or they trying to try to halt my transition because i was open to the idea of being pregnant and i didn't wow. hate my body so the first day i came there and they were like how do you feel about your body i was like i'm cool with my body i have no problem with my body because i learned a lot of self-love at fat camp right so i how i always say is i mother nature just gave me a bad deck of cards and I will love this deck of cards until I get the body I truly want. So right. I always say I 100% love myself, but I can go 110 and that will be my top surgery. Right. And um, at the hospital and the gender therapist, they were not really okay with that idea because they said how? And I was like, well, I first had to struggle being black and fat and now trans. So if you put that list together, trans is the least of my problems. Right. And they were like, okay, that's already weird. And then they went like, why do you want to be pregnant? And I was like, okay, well, my mom is low income. And if I have to decide between spending 6,000 euros to get my ex uh, frozen in Belgium, not even Netherlands in Belgium, mm-hmm. or get pregnant for free, which of the two will I go? Right. And they were still going like, yeah, but it's weird. I was like, no, that's a money issue. That's not even... That's not weird. That is poverty. (laughs) It's poverty. Yeah. That's deciding my decisions at this moment. Mm -hmm. And they were like, okay, well, you're not suffering enough for us because you're so cool with your body and so cool with the idea of pregnancy. I had to go to... Uh, it's called transfisi and that's where you get like you meet other trans people you can like support each other and everything but i don't want to be mean about the people there but they were like really i wouldn't say suffering but still struggling with their gender identity and with their family and everything and i felt very out of place because i'm i was genuinely happy i finally knew hey you we have a new trigger warning system if you hear this sound a potential trigger will follow the first one will follow right after this interruption if you want to see what triggers we are warning you for check out the podcast description or check out the right top corner of the youtube video to see the blinking warning lights with the potential trigger enjoy the rest of the episode i felt very out of place because i'm i was genuinely happy i finally knew who I was, what I wanted, where I wanted to go to. And there were like really people there talking about like suicidal ideation mm-hmm. and how their family didn't love them, everything. And I was standing there going like, well, my mom loves me and everybody's right. okay. So I felt like I was taking up space that was like not needed. So after two visits, I just left. And I also told the hospital, I'm sorry, but I'm truly happy with who mm-hmm. I am. Let's just continue this whole thing. Right, and good for you, for fuck's sake. You <laughs> yeah. should be cheering that on. If they're not, yeah. that is what 
that is what you wish for all the patients who are coming in, isn't yeah, it? That's, yeah, so um, it feels like, fine, we'll continue. And then the weight issue came up. Holy fuck. <laughs> so what is important to state, because in all the, during all that time, you were not on hormones, right? No. Um, I'm now transitioning for 10, almost 11 years. But after five years, I got my hormones. Holy fuck. Yeah. And it is important for people to know at home that everything that happens to your body when you begin using testosterone when you're a trans man, everything is reversible. So yeah, yeah. as soon as you start taking the hormones, when you stop, it all goes back to what it, it was like. It all goes back to what it was. And there is almost. no harm. No, no, not at all. Um, well, a slight little harm. And that's just a very small Russian roulette. The chance of pregnancy, uh, the whole baby factory can be completely stopped. Okay. Or after stopping for a year with the tea, you might still, you know, start uh, everything again. So you still might menstruate. Right. Uh, but it really depends on, yeah, your womb, how everything is put together. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I have an uber womb. Nothing will happen to that uh, because after I got, I'm going to do a little spoiler warning. After I got a gastric sleeve, I started menstruating again. So whoop-de-fucking-do. Uh, my what? uterus can survive everything at this point. Holy shit. Yeah, if if we have a nuclear war, I think Cher, uh, cockroaches, and my womb will survive. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. So um, So in 50 years, we will be back giving you a yeah. quick update on, on the my womb. On Cher, and on cockroaches. <laughs> Thank you for watching, and we'll see you in 50 years. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. Um, so the five years that I was uh, waiting struggling to get my hormones i had a therapist there and every month i had to get back and discuss uh, my 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 mental illness and everything but there was hardly any talk about my gender identity because everybody knew okay that's 100 percent a binary trans man right my problems quote unquote thingy whatever was um yeah not the greatest now my mom tried raising us as best as she could but we just came from an impoverished background not the greatest neighborhood so my traumas and issues were Mm -hmm. completely unrelated to being trans right um so i had to go to therapy for that and then i had to go to another therapy for food related issues uh because i was on the brink of having a little eating addiction problem or something right. and finally after that binge eating disorder yeah or something binge like eating that. disorder something like that and after that i finally got a uh, uh, some help with like eating a dietist who gave me like this wild six week shake diet which is something you only do like i don't know with fucking astronauts honey don't do it <laughs> don't do don't it don't do it i did it on the supervision uh because after the six weeks when i lost i think kilos um, I also finally don't got do the, it on a don't supervision. Do it. I, this was don't. really a very, very dangerous experiment that I did with this dietist because I really needed the hormones. After I got all those shakes and everything, I only ate three shakes per day, uh, a day. Oh, One Coke, zero, and I think a few grapes. Lost all that weight and I finally got my hormones. And after that, I was supposed to learn how to eat again because... Oh, honey, you're going to binge <laughs> like a motherfucker. <laughs> well, this is another one that uh, I moved... So the dietist that I had couldn't help me anymore. So I was eating like a motherfucker because you have your second puberty with tea. So I went from kilos to I think poo. That is, well, that's literal proof of the fact that if you go on a diet, you're going to gain everything back yeah. and more. Every crash diet is, like I said, you will crash like very hard uh, because I don't know if 
any of your listeners have read any books about like the diet industry and everything but this whole idea of a diet is like in three weeks lose a lot of weight but it's not an eating discipline that you can maintain for a longer time also your body gets used to being malnutrition so you every time you need to surprise your body with right. a new malnutrition uh, diet or eating habit or eating fat and, and when you cut it out you're gonna eventually end up you going into a feast literally yeah. because your body thinks that you are starving your yeah. body literally tries to get every single bit of the thing that you're eating to to keep that in your body yeah. and store it as fat if if uh, for those at home who are interested in this particular topic definitely check out the fuck it diet because that book is legendary and so good and so well researched yeah um I, this is not sponsored but if if you want to sponsor me i'd be more than you know, happy to give something and, and when you're yeah. done reading that book just read uh, you have the right to remain fat from oh i love the sound of that too I, it's it's a really good book uh so you know after you went anti-diet just remain fat and love yourself <laughs> exactly no do you know that tiktok where there is this girl who uh, takes her baby and says look this is jack he's gay and then people in the comments go oh my god you can't say that you don't know that uh, why why are you saying he's gay you don't know that well why then is he heterosexual Ah, that's a good one. Let us flip it around for a second, because what the fuck? Let's be honest, Jack is a really gay name, so she set him up. That's a little homosexual. <laughs> a little homosexual. Perkito <laughs> homosexual. So Manon wrote down a quote from an episode we shot a couple a couple weeks ago, um, and so I found this note on my on my desk, and I didn't I didn't know what what it said, and so I read it. And it said. <laughs> Uh, wrong penis, right decision. And I, I was like, I don't know what this is from, but that's hilarious. That's a good one. Love it already. Yeah, so stay tuned as you will know what it's from as soon as it airs. <laughs> nice. Obviously, the healthcare system in the Netherlands has been proven to n- not function that well. So yesterday, when I was doing the research for the slutty science segment, I actually gave them a call at VU uh, Gender Clinics. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, you know, let me give them a call to see to see how they pick up how it's gonna go i just wanted to see to you know give it a little test mm-hmm. so i called and i literally called them five times trying all the different options in the menu there is no way to get someone on the phone there's just no way you literally get like a recorded thingy and you have to press buttons and they call you back yeah so when they called me back um i said so um is a mastectomy uh, like paid for by insurance and stuff and when is it not and so then i asked um do you have any trans people working on the team? No, I figured, exactly. <laughs> and so uh, she was like, um, why? And I was like, well, because you're treating trans people. I'm wondering if there's anyone who has a personal experience with it. I cannot give any uh, information about personal information about uh, the people who work here. And I was like, well, I'm not asking for their names and their, their addresses. I'm just asking if there's trans people on the team. She was like, I cannot say that about my colleagues. And I was like, oh okay, well, then I know enough. And she literally hung up the phone before I even could say bye. Mm. And I was like, if that is my experience, just asking if they have a trans person on the team, how do you cope with all this shit going on constantly, having to constantly defend yourself as a man because you were not born in that body? Uh, Wow, that's a good... I think for me, mostly it's... I'm very long dysphoria and I have a very fuck it attitude. So I have this transsec- transitional, transactional 
codependency with the few in which I just walk in, I answer the questions and I walk out again. Uh, and that's mostly because um, I have no other choice but to live by the rules. And right. it sucks very, very, very much. But as long as they are like the head honcho, the super leader of whole transitioning, it's, it's just what you have to go by. And that, that also means taking these drastic measures to get my top surgery, like, mm-hmm. you know, dangerous shake diets and getting a gastric sleeve and whatever. And hearing every year I'm getting rejection uh, because I'm overweight, but there is no other option, uh, not only because of the food, but the food is also tight because of the rules made, I think, by insurance and like the Dutch government that a mm-hmm. BMI of 35 is the requirement to get a surgery in general, unless you want to get a gastric sleeve, then it doesn't matter how fat you are, just get it. And um, as much as I love the Netherlands, we're a very capitalist country, and they were very honest with me when I got a gastric sleeve. They said the only reason it's free is because in the long run, you being overweight will cost more money for your insurance than you having less weight. Wow. They're very honest. I That was the first time I got an honest answer, and I really fucking appreciated it. Yeah. Me I mean, being overweight costs way more money for my insurance than the fact that I'm getting a gastric sleeve. And even though the chance of dying is like 0.1%, it's very low, very, very low. They'd rather have you taking that chance of eating like the half of a McDonald's kit meal every day for the rest of your life. That's about the amount I can have, even less than the fact that I'm overweight and might cost more money. Wow, that is so fucked up and so not scientifically backed up. So not... No, because a lot of people with a gastric sleeve will gain weight again. Right. That's that's just very obvious uh, because your body gets used to this malnutrition state. Right. So uh, either I eat healthy every six meals, perfectly fine, no problem. But the one moment I might diverse from eating something that's unhealthy, then I will gain again and I will gain very rapidly because my body's constantly malnourished. Exactly. You saw me walk by or walk in and I had like one Yakult and that's Mm -hmm. it. And I think for the next hour, I don't have to eat anymore because I'm full. I had some water, I had a Yakult, that's it. Wow, that's just honestly insane and and not healthy. Like if you think that a fat person not eating is healthy, you need to check your own eating patterns because that shit's fucked up. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very fucked up. I mean, we learned even about the four eating uh, disorders of ways or whatever. You have like emotional eating, external eating. Uh, diet focused eating mm-hmm. that's very much I ate too much today so tomorrow we eat less as sort right. of punishment uh, in the Dutch it's called uh, lijngericht eten so you really the focus compensating. Yeah, compensating yeah. I always forget the fourth I don't know what the fuck that's. it didn't apply to me but apparently something probably else. not that important but I'm not that important <laughs> but I'm an external and emotional eater right so I feel bad or good I will eat and when I see food I'm immediately triggered because of my mental health that happiness or uh, suppressing my emotions is also linked to food so I see it I eat it I feel better again I'm like stuck in this right. spiral um, and that's great that's amazing lovely but of course since food is everywhere because everybody eats it's like weird you're addicted or dependent on something that everybody uses so casual so for me walking right. through uh, newer sites here and seeing all the foods and the McDonald's and the KFC it's like really hard for me to like just walk past it past it without being triggered because yeah but the reason why it's hard for you to walk past that is because you're malnourished and as soon as you would 
malnourished, but also emotionally codependent on it. But as soon as you can develop a healthy relationship with food by just eating whatever the fuck you want... Perfect. You're gonna you're gonna get over that, but yeah. because you don't get the chance because of the current system, holy shit! Yeah, I'm I'm constantly. It's like yeah, it's like yeah. You have a cocaine addiction. Well, everything's cocaine now. Have fun. Right. <laughs> so yeah. Right. Uh, so that's what I currently have. Um, I'm working and I've worked a lot on uh, creating a moral free eating system, mm-hmm. and that's been working out for me a lot. So I Good. eat what I see, um, and I just make sure that. It's the right amount for the small stomach that I have, right. but without feeling bad. So if I one time decide to just eat half of a happy meal, I just eat it. I don't promise myself to work out tomorrow. Good. I don't tell myself, oh, you made it to your deadline at work, so you deserve this. I just go, Good I want you. this, and I just go for it. The only moment I say no is like, do I want this because I'm sad? I do have to express my right. feelings, and then I can eat. And that's my most a moral less a moral way of eating right, right. now uh, because it's the only way i can keep this healthy relationship with food yeah that's super important yeah. i i think that yeah again read the fuck it diet i wish i was sponsored by them <laughs> like do it give money give money we're stuck in capitalism for now so we are if it is here's a sponsor break if not then i'm just weird right now this episode of the slut show is sponsored by follow culcore Lucrezia is the Italian bombshell, colorful creature and creative master brain behind her brand. Her work is created to normalize body parts the society sexualizes, fucking the patriarchy with her products and attitude. Feminist powerhouse Lucrezia brings you not a ring for your cock, but a cock for your rings. From cowdicks to cactus cocks, from candle holders to pussy ashtrays, from penis charms to nipple magnets, follow Colcore spices up your life in all the right ways. Want to know more about Lucrezia and her brand? Head over to the link in the description of our YouTube video or head over to Instagram at follow.colcore. We are absolutely over the moon to share that we get to give away three fabulous ring holders shaped like genitalia but better. Want to get one shipped to your doorstep? This is your chance. Check out all the details of this super exciting giveaway in which you will absolutely want to participate on Instagram at the Sacho with Alan Moore and join the giveaway from Tuesday, March 1st onwards. You uh, said that you went to a fat camp and that really helped you with um, gaining this fucking mentality and learning to love your body. How old were you when you went there? I was 12 when I Holy went fuck. to fat camp. Also, free of charge, because once again, the insurance wants you skinny. Really? Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to make it sound really cool, but it's not. Um, When I was younger, in the 90s to 2000s, and we still had a pretty okay government who gave a fuck about poor people and fat people, you uh, you get a lot of shit. I remember I got a bike from the government or from Amsterdam uh, because I was overweight. I also got a computer because I was... um, a smart child stuck in a uh, harvest area, wow. which is not a great way to start your letter. No, when you're 12 <laughs> and you go like, not. "Congratulations on being super fucking smart, but also very fucking poor." Wow. Here you go, have a computer, and then the third letter that I got was, "Congratulations on being very fucking smart, but also very fucking fat." So if you want, you can you're- go to fat camp. Here's a camp for you. <laughs> Here's a camp for you. Here so you go. I went to Hilversum. Okay. Um, and it's called Heideuvel. It doesn't exist anymore because their numbers weren't that great. And when I went to I Fed wonder camp, why. 
I had to struggle with two things. I found out at the age of eight already that I was a lesbian. Okay. And then at the age of 12, when you start dating and finding out who you like, whatever, mm-hmm. I was figuring out how to eat like a normal human being. Some quote unquote. Quote yeah. unquote. Um, finding out <laughs> what it is to be a lesbian and also at the same time, fat camp. Right. <laughs> so, um, it just didn't work out let's be honest and also at the same time yeah i'm a lesbian but i didn't like the label and i didn't know why so i was i was figuring out a lot of things Mm -hmm. and on paper the camp was great it's not like this american hellhole you're stuck in texas with somebody screaming i literally have that vision as soon as i say fat camp it goes like to some american horror story i see like people lifting like tires of like you know uh somebody yelling at you you're a fat fuck you'll never succeed running up hills and shit Yeah. yeah 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 Uh, you know, fighting coyotes. No. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it's a it's a lovely forest. Uh, we had a simu- swimming pool. We were all together, just happily fed. We had therapy, and uh, we all had our own room to sleep in, and everything was fine. So it's mm-hmm. it's on paper, it's good, it's great. Um, and you would just wake up your morning. You all, you had your properly sized breakfast. You went to school there, and everything was okie dokie. But um, what they didn't count for or think about is as soon as I left there, I was back in this hectic lifestyle. Right. Amsterdam is different than being in some lovely cottagecore village Absolutely. for fat people. And at the same time, also still figuring out I'm a lesbian, what I'm supposed to do. So right. even though I came back and I, I knew what was proper eating and I knew what to do, my mom was still raising three children by herself, by herself and having a job. She wasn't there every night to make the meal that I needed. Yeah. Um, I was still figuring out what I wanted to do with myself. And also, there was a lot of LGBT options that I have in like 2002 and having a shitty computer from Amsterdam. So where do you find the lesbians at the age of 12, 13? And mm. nobody was openly queer or gay at that Were moment. Were you open at that po- point? I was I was open. I, was, I told my mom the truth. I told everybody the truth. But also, I was the only... Uh, I was the only lesbian in high school in my class, as far as I knew. Right. As far as I knew. Looking back now, how many of them were gay? I have no clue, because as soon as I left that school, I was out. Also, I made it, because I was so fucking smart, quote unquote, I made it to a very prestige school. I was the only, as far as I know, the only openly lesbian, Mm -hmm. the only one with a lower income family, and uh, also... So I was not having the greatest time of my mm-hmm. life there. Of uh, so I left. I, I was out. I was just done with it. Right. Yeah. You have to have a, like a semi-supporting environment, at least to some degree. You can't degree. be the only black person and then the only one lesbian who's out, then the only quote-unquote pover- impoverished person. Yeah, that just sucks. I mean, that really right. it also really amplifies how shit life is. Because when I still lived in the old neighborhood... We were all poor and we were all one parent family. So right. we were all, it was it was actually more of a wonder if you had two parents. We were like, oh, wow, you have a dad? Good for you. Right. You know, that's how good you had it. Um, so this this idea of like, my mom was like, you really have to go to that school. I want you to do the best. But it actually amplifies how shit your life is. No, not even shit because I'm still the contrast. very happy. But the contrast is so high. And you go like, oh, Amsterdam is a really small city. But when you take the tram and you go from your neighborhood to a better neighborhood in 30 minutes and you see how the environment just changes completely completely in 30 minutes you just feel like shit 
And then know? going back into that environment every single day, realizing how it's there versus... How, yeah, how different everything. And the same also so with Fat Camp and my own uh, situation at home. It was like so... Um, yeah, so different, such a high contrast. So when I came back, the only thing that I realized even more was like, yeah, I'm fat, but also my mom, as much as she loved me, can give me the full concentration and health and care and discipline that I need when it comes to eating. Yeah. Um, I actually felt more bad because when at the age of 16, I immediately got a job to make sure she had to take less care of me. I became highly self-sufficient, but also because I came, became highly self-sufficient, my mom was like, sure, cool, now I can take care of the other two kids. So I had right. to create my own rules, my own discipline, um, and no therapy whatsoever. So what do you do? Even more eating. I, mm-hmm. I became like, very dependent on eating because every time I will tell my mom, like, oh, I feel bad because I didn't make school, or I didn't get the grades that you want or whatever, I wouldn't tell her. I would just eat and tell her, yeah, sure, everything is fine. But it becomes your coping mechanism fine. because she's like... yeah. But yeah, because at the age of 13, 14, I didn't know I was trans. You just keep on eating. And you're not, you know, you're you're 14. You're not going to Google what are the BMI rules just in case in the in 2010 I might be trans. You, know, right. you don't do that. Of course. So you just keep on eating and you just yeah. keep on living. And then when the moment comes that you finally figure out, oh, my body is great, but I'm just missing one or two things that will really complete who I am Mm -hmm. it's too late that being said we're gonna be taking a real (laughs) quick break we will be back in a second but first can I get some backing vocals slut show sex position twister your weekly dose of bedroom inspiration Mm. the fuck my brains out great if there is a small dick in play or if you just like really deep penetration the partable seat a nice and wet addition to your passionate lovemaking and drowning in your partner's eyes. The wild legs, a very advanced position for if you want to get your lower back very sore. So that was an interesting uh, change of subject. <laughs> what yeah. is your favorite sex position? Mm, so I like the lotus. Um, and I don't know. How to Which is basically sitting like this, right? It's like sitting like this and then... Uh, my girlfriend can either do, like face forward or backwards, however she likes okay. it. Also depends on the strap on the way it's curved, of course. Oh right, yeah. And uh, she can just hold on to my knees, and she can just bounce up and down because I'm, I'm also on my elbows right. way more oh. backwards. So oh, I can. You are really flexible, mate. <laughs> yeah, I can do the full split. Everybody doesn't believe me because I'm fat, but I can go. I can drop that pussy to the floor. <laughs> can, can we get this on camera somehow? I Do don't you, think so. There's I no space here. Camera? We can just, you can take a picture later. You can just put it on Instagram. I will. I will put it, like, <laughs> it's in the screen right now. If you're listening, head over to the fucking YouTube video because <laughs> this is good. Yeah, no, I can, uh, now that I lost a lot of weight, I can throw my uh, feet back so I can go with my feet over my head against the against the wall and just stay like that. <laughs> Holy shit. And I could do the full split. Uh, so, yeah, that's two things that's helping me because every time somebody asks, me like how do you have sex because you're both fat and trans and i just go like just be flexible baby oh honey <laughs> just be flexible go. and also i'm gonna be very honest the sound of fat people fucking is like really great you just need that like 
audible. This right, you constantly you hear it. Sound. Yeah, you yeah. want that sound. Who's fucking is silent except for deaf people? I respect you, but <laughs> <laughs> they're not gonna be tuning into the they podcast, honey. They will not honey. be hearing it, but just in case somebody's putting subtitles, I'm flexible, so I, we can use that. Um, so yeah, the Lotus is really great. Lovely. I love it, and also if you have like great lower back energy, you can just give a good bounce. Uh, so either C bounce, U bounce, and just make it happen. And it's good. It's nice. Are you are you very active in the bedroom? Do you like being? I'm I'm mostly active. I would say uh, strictly top. But see, uh, my girlfriend said I also want to be like try to be more dominant. So we trying to work that out. Okay. Um, I have no dysphoria, so I have no problem. She like wants to touch me wherever anything, but. Um, I don't know. I've never been dominated tops or whatever. Right. Just, but you know, at the same you're time, you're always the one doing the fucking. Yeah. Not but she's being. like, she's, yeah, she's tired of being a passive starfish. So she wants to try more, and I'm like, cool, I'm never tired go. of being a passive starfish. <laughs> oh, you're a pillow princess. <laughs> oh, I am. I, I'm a lazy will, fuck in the bedroom. Like, I will not bottom shame you or whatever. But you know, she just wants to be more, more active. And I'm like, cool, let's try it. She just has to come up with an idea, and we'll. She tried ice cubes last, Ooh. but um, when you're on tea, your butt gets very hairy, so the ice cube was stuck. <laughs> <laughs> no! Yeah, that thing was like stuck in the jungle. <laughs> and it was like very weird because it kept on melting, but like the cold water goes directly to the anus. So I was just like suffering. <laughs> and I was like, like that. babe, get it out. And he was like, I don't want to touch your butt hair. And I was like, well, why? <laughs> get it out. <laughs> get it out. So I just had to wait. It was melted. Oh shit! Yeah. So uh, ice cubes, not when you're on tea, on, or your well, butt has to be like perfect. Shave that booty hole before you get. <laughs> shave the booty before you ice cube it. Right. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, they don't warn you about like butt hair, butt growth. Nobody warns you. So like the the hospital goes like, oh, when you're on tea, you uh, will get mice get a beard you might get a lower voice and whatever whatever you will get well milk. i think it happens <laughs> you will get my my voice actually was like this always really yeah the voice stayed the same the hairiness was a surprise right yeah, yeah the, definitely definitely because i was as smooth as a feed commercial oh wow yeah okay my my girlfriend had like more leg hair and everything i never had to shave or whatever but as soon as i started tea then uh, the Spanish side of the family started to do what they always like to do, colonize that body. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, yeah, uh, I became super fucking hairy. <laughs> also, oh. the butt region. Nice. Do, do you like being so hairy? Uh, I like it now, but uh, before I started, I actually had a discussion with my girlfriend because um, she hasn't had a lot of luck with men in her life. I will say it as lightly as possible. Mm-hmm. Her first boyfriend wasn't the greatest let's say it like that so fuck you fuck him and um but she has i wouldn't say like trouble or fear but hyper masculinity is not her tea for now okay uh and um so i said that if i become very hairy or my body becomes very masculine Mm -hmm. would you fear my body and we were all discussing about that and she said uh, i might need to like no work 
or get through the changes but it's right. like so slowly she got she just grew along with it of course it was not like i took the tea and the next day i bam, was bam big beard, there you right. go a fucking bear in bed and she also knew like <laughs> she also knows like the personality doesn't change but i say yeah of course but still if you see me walking down the street and you wouldn't know who i am would i scare you because i look so masculine mm-hmm. i'm not hyper masculine but i right. am masculine yeah um but we 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 took that together and it's like pretty okay because my behavior is very gender neutral of course so that helps of course a lot uh but we had the whole discussion about it but first i was like oh if i become very masculine i don't want her to be like afraid of me if i turn around in bed and go like what up babe want to fuck and she's like (laughs) (laughs) maybe not (laughs) thank you but yeah it's it's so It is so gradual, the changes, because obviously... It's very gradual, but you don't know where you go to. I mean, I could have become completely bald or something like that. You don't know. It's very Russian roulette. I became bootleg Drake. Um, but, <laughs> you know, it's you don't know what you get. And I know that a lot how, of trends... How tall is Drake? Sorry. For this. Way longer than I am. Way taller, way taller. You're but like mini Drake. I'm mini Drake. I am, yeah, bootleg Drake. If you if you get that meme like what you ex- what you uh, order online and what you get in real life, that's like me and Drake together. <laughs> oh, love that. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's yeah. I I know that as a person, I am not what I appear. Uh, but still, I how do I say it? I explained it once with Kutman. For me, being trans is a different experience because I'm also a black man. Right. So I understand if I walk down the street and somebody walks around me with a bigger arch than normal. Mm-hmm. For starters, you're fucking racist. But also, <laughs> I also understand the stigma. No, not the stigma, the stereotypes around black men. So for me, the more masculine I become, the more I'm a danger. Even though I'm very fucking small and like also a chubby little dude. I still might be people looking going like... Uh, right. Know. As soon as I go like, hey, I'm Bobby, how are you doing? People go like, okay, it's not that. Right. It's not that dangerous. He's not oh my god! Like that, yeah. I will not be. No, but it's so for me. It's very important to be softer, uh, right? Because black masculinity is also very criminalized, uh, and also way more stoic than than your average masculinity. So uh, for me, it was very important for my girlfriend also to understand that I'm going to look more masculine, but I am not more masculine mm-hmm. than my. Uh, personality is and right. I think that's also very important but I mean most I think for me in the trans community they always forget the layer of race on top that's uh, that makes it a lot harder because you don't just face heteronormative and cisnormative society that we are living in but also the the racist roots that still show in every single area of society today yeah. so and, and you know transitioning from, from a, a black woman to a black man it's, it's just very very different what I for the majority of like white trans people, they just don't have a grasp on that. So hey, they forget a lot did, of it. Did you hear that? Is that the mailman? It's him. <laughs> oh my God. Give me that package. No. Speak, <laughs> speaking of though, yeah. uh, super interesting question because what's the biggest difference for you um, living your life being perceived as a uh, fat black woman versus uh, a fat black man? Um, so for fat black woman, I would say mostly the people would be like for starters when you're fat you're also fetishized as crazy as a fat black woman um they also think that you're like the the sidekick and everything you know the sassy black woman who will always snap at every point Mm -hmm. even though when i was like really really butch and everything um you, you just get those stereotypes on top also they expect you to be really great at cooking 
as soon as you say just Paris, <laughs> as soon as you say just Spanish or Suriname or whatever, they go like, oh, so you can cook amazingly because I am a fat black woman or used to be one. Mm. And now that I transition to being a fat black man, I've become from the sassy friend, black friend who gives no fuck and need no mm-hmm. man to mm, um that that one. To Tyrone, <laughs> that's just how it is. I never had a great relationship with the police, but now it feels like even more dangerous as it is. Even though Netherlands is not the same as America, mm-hmm. you, the glares di- are different now. Um, I also, what I do when I go shopping or I go to the grocery store, I actually make my voice higher just in case the cashier is white or whoever I'm shopping with. Wow. I make it higher. Um, the Douglas, the Douglas, they mm-hmm. used to have security. I was already used to them following me and my friends when we would like walk around, but wow. even now more they give the extra glare. So it's like this non-verbal communication when I walk somewhere or anywhere that they go like, I'm looking at you. I also had the conversation with my girlfriend that uh, as much as I love her, but certain jokes better not. So if uh, if we're standing on the street and I, I, don't know, I pinch her butt and she just go like, don't touch me, you weird man. Even though it's a joke, some people might really think that I'm a weird man. Right. Just in case. Which is super dangerous considering yeah, I, I, all the things you're dealing yeah, with. I told my girlfriend, like, no matter what happens, you always have slightly more power than I, am, I have in this society. So if she at any moment decides to just point at me in the middle of the street and go like, this guy touched me, so rapist, harasser. Mm-hmm. Even though it's a joke or something, or she just wants to get that powerful, she will succeed. So right. It's very important for her to know that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the changes. You go from sassy, sassy black friend to uh, that random black guy who might or might not steal my car. Yeah, <laughs> but that's really fucked up because really the the, up. the power dynamics in the society are still, and that is something that people don't are not willing to admit, especially in the Netherlands. I'd even say because we're like yeah but we're a first world country Super and we're doing good and we have a black person in the parliament now which in 2020 fucking won the first one it's very late which is insane obviously um and how how do you feel like um we white people can contribute to making this place a better world also for black people uh just just listen to us because we have given throughout the years a lot of books, a lot of explanations. Like the information is readily available, and don't ask us to be like your spiritual Negro guide. Just do the research on your own because we are a first world country. You can easily Google everything, and also just ask yourself why did I think that? Where does it come from? And tip number one is please don't tell us about your racist colleague unless you have also told them off. My girlfriend used to do that a lot. She went like, oh, I was at work and somebody said this and this. And I'm like, okay, cool. I know racist white people exist, but did you do something about it? And then she was like, no. And I was like, why I'm, am I the racist police? You don't have to report right. this to me yeah, yeah, yeah. unless you have said something. That's a very bad. good one. Yeah. yeah, because you give us more emotional baggage because right. if my girlfriend would ever say, oh, do you want to visit me at work? I'm going like, no, because she just told me there are three racist people. What's the fun for me to go there? Right, and rightfully so. Yeah, so I would say don't report every racist thing you've seen. We know, we experience it, we hear it. Yeah. And just read or check YouTube or something and learn as much as you can. And when you have a genuine question, then ask us. And also, we don't have the same answer. We are not this perfect monolith. You mm-hmm. can ask any black person the same question, you will get different answers. Of course. You know, we all experience it different. I'm light-skinned, I'm very open about it. Mm-hmm. Because I am 
a binary trans man and because I'm light-skinned and I'm now small fat I have way more privileges than any other trans person and black trans person mm -hmm. because I'm more palatable for a cishet white uh, society right you know so that's a uh, so you pass more easily I pass easily I'm exotic brown instead of dangerous black you know so I get way more passes than the average person so if you ask me how do you experience uh, racism it's very different than uh, a darker skinned person will right. actually experience. So ask way more than you they, the people that you know and just learn as much as you can. And when you really have a question because you really don't understand something, then you can go to us and we'll figure it out together. Go to black people's your last resort after you've read books, after yeah. you've Googled your questions, after you've watched podcasts, um, yeah. which in the I believe is the fourth episode of the season. Um, yeah. I shot with Dettel, which is a very extensive conversation uh, with a a party member from by aim yeah he um is on the the party that you can vote on him and stuff uh when you can vote in the netherlands wow good english mm. ellen <laughs> when it's voting time it's voting time for daryl you know you know <laughs> yeah. um and that was a very good and super interesting conversation very open about how racism also is still sensible in so many different areas of society so i would definitely recommend watching that if you want to like inform yourself better about these topics because it's important to indeed like you said listen to people of color yeah. not to a white chick hosting a show to the people who are speaking about it perfect also shed that white guilt white guilt is like you're trying to wipe yourself of the guilt of uh, everything that's happening all the structural ah. problems so you just like it's like let's say you go to me go like listen when i was five i just didn't know i dressed up as a native american because it was fun for halloween i'm so sorry and we go like okay cool that, why are that you happened. telling me this is why not are you telling me this it's very weird and then you go like but i voted for by i'm super good i'm really great please <laughs> wash me off this white guilt and um it doesn't help anybody you, no for starters you put pressure on people of color to forgive you for your problems it's not their job to forgive it's you it's not our problem at all and the structures still exist and uh, so white guilt is like this easy pass to getting a cookie for like the bare minimum almost nothing that you've done so um if somebody goes up and goes like when i was five i once said the n-word i'm so sorry and i'm like I wasn't there. You want a sticker now, bitch? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Did right. you, you know, are you actively working with us? So, you know, yeah. wipe that white guilt away. Uh, I always tell my girlfriend, if you didn't know about it, but you did it, that's that's no problem whatsoever. Now you know about it. If you still do it, then it's a problem. Right. Because she has done a few things that she goes like, oh, that was so bad. But she was raised in Harlem in a predominantly white neighborhood with predominantly white parents. Of course, you don't know if you dress up as a Native American. You did a little bit of red face. You don't know because, mm -hmm. hey, Native Americans are not really like a, a society in the Netherlands you think about. You're raised with American propaganda. You know, you think it's normal fun because you saw it on Peter Pan in the Disney movies. Right. Nobody's telling you that actually red face. So she did it, but now she knows. And so I asked her, are you going to do it tomorrow? She was like, of course not because I know better. Cool. You were fucking five. You didn't know. Yeah. But shed that white guilt because for starters, it's not my community to go like, oh, babe, that's so bad, but I forgive you because I'm not Native American. Right. And second, you know now. So now you can talk back to people if somebody here in the Netherlands goes like, oh, yeah, yeah, the Indiana. No, no, Native American, indigenous people. Bam. That's what you're supposed Change to do. Change your behavior. Call people out. If you want to actively contribute to, to yeah. 
to stopping systemic racism, call people out. That's it. You're white. You don't have. You already have a privilege. You're not going to be beaten up as easily as a black person would. Yeah. Call them the fuck out. That's what I need, and I not need to know. Like I'm so sorry that Ellen said the N word. I just <laughs> like it doesn't work. No, honey, that's not how the world works. No. Do something about it. Just expose Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> Get that old tweet from 2012. Oh god! I'm like, did I? Did I? Did I? <laughs> start. Start oh, wiping god. your Twitter. <laughs> no. What is if you were to look back now and you could have a conversation with your 12 year old self? What would you tell them? Oh damn, you really fucked up. Oh no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just I would say just stay on the course you're doing right now. Um because to be quite honest, I took the long run with everything, but taking the long run also means you have more time to reflect on yourself because I actually discussed with my girlfriend and I told her if I did everything correctly I would have never met her. Mm-hmm. I maybe I would not have even been happy still going to that school that made me feel like so so much shit. Um and also maybe I took more if I listened to the food and I was like sure just you know rip out the uterus and sure I'll go on some dangerous diet to lose weight I never had the time to really introspect and think about fat liberation about body positivity about how does it feel to be uh, a fat in a trans community I never had to think about it I would probably be more part of the problem than part of the solution if right. I just speed run through everything exactly so I would just say my 12 year old uh, read more the more you know the better and just just to relax you're doing fine you'll be fine you'll be fine <laughs> you'll be fine that's that is yeah. literally the most important one down the line yeah always remember that your future self is going to thank you for sticking through and hanging in there i don't want to end this episode before we give you a huge shout out to obviously kutmana um you have created your own platform together with um trending tatum <laughs> <laughs> yes so Jason is Treading Tatum uh, and I, Bobby, am Tranye West. And together we have a show called Good Man. And I'm sorry, it's predominantly in Dutch. Right. Where we uh, discuss everything trans related here in the Netherlands because there's little information. But honey, if you're Dutch, check this shit out. Go for it's really it. good. Just have some fucking fun. And um, Twitter, I'm predominantly English, and I talk more about being trans and also fat liberation. We have like this huge thread of all fat uh, trans men and trans masks. Just putting pictures and being supportive and just that's awesome fun. good yeah. i'm gonna plug all your socials in the description box follow him everywhere follow the uh, obviously the show yeah. and uh, way more thank you so much for being here thank you <laughs> for watching next week i will be back same place same time and then you will see this oh shit we haven't even gotten to this so we had a threesome what's his name what's his Hello? name i don't know his name what's his name and he, he couldn't get it up. <laughs> Drug. Did you begin experimenting with anal play because of the vaginismus? I don't really like really big dick. I've had one and... Whoa, just... I've been meaning to call you about that. You fucked my bed from the wall. You, yeah, you did. No. We were drunk at six. Yeah, we were drunk at six. There was this point where she was sucking his dick, and I was sitting on his face, and he wasn't getting it hard. And you know, when that's the point you're at, you tried. At one point, I went full out, and she. Yeah. You liked it? Yeah. <laughs> How old were you when you started masturbating? We had discussed before they were coming <laughs> that if we weren't feeling either of our men, that, that we would just, you know, have a threesome. With. We just share. <laughs> we would just share. You know, sharing yeah. is caring. If you want to read the information from Slutty Science again, head over to my website, which is 
theslutshow.org. Yes, orgasm, theslutshow.org. You can read the information there again. And you are also now able to get your hands on my five-piece postcard collection, which is dedicated to destroying the patriarchy and empowering you. Um, if you want to support The Slut Show in another way, you can do so by heading over to my Patreon page and buying me a coffee, which is one euro per episode. That's nothing, which is four euros a month. I would ginormously appreciate it. It would help both me and the team behind the camera tremendously. Please follow me on Instagram at The Slut Show with Alan Moore. I'm sending questions, which we will be answering on the mail segment. How cool is that? So easy. I mean, just saying. Follow us. Don't forget to give the video a big thumbs up. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Share The Slut Show with your friends. Super important. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, it was fun. It was great. Thank you at home for Next time, yeah. watching. <laughs> and for now, Sluts out. Sluts out. Woo. Puteria adios. <laughs> <laughs> Love that.